passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the year-end edition of Post Pro Res. I'm John Pollock. WH Park is joining me. And the next time, WH, that you and I are on a show together, it will be in the flesh together in Japan. This is true. We'll be like in the same hotel room maybe, and hopefully we won't be disturbing our uh, our neighbors. Oh, I can be very loud, so I will I will try and uh, reduce my, my indoor volume. Uh, we'll, we'll see how things are going after uh, hours and hours of wrestling that we'll be consuming on a near daily basis while we're over there. So uh, what's kind of uh, your vibe? Just uh, a couple weeks out from uh, just so many people coming to Japan and, man, just a plethora of shows and a lot of them just look stacked talent-wise. I'm I'm really into the TV show The Watchmen, John. <laughs> if you maybe you've heard of, about my secret uh, uh, DM group with uh, Brandon oh, and uh, Neil yeah, Neil's in yeah, there. Yeah, this is not such a secret group. After it was revealed on our on our show by <laughs> by uh, Neil. Yeah, we uh, we talk about the uh, Watchmen Brandon, on, I guess. on on HBO, and it's a great show. Last episode's coming up this uh, coming Monday for me. Like because of the time difference, but I, I'm excited. I'm gonna watch the whole thing again. Like just that's how much I love this show. Well, I'm glad that uh, this show has uh, connected on on such a uh, on, su- on such a big level. Uh, I have not checked out any of the Watchmen, so maybe that will be one that eventually uh, I get around to. I, I do uh, recommend you read the comic book first. It, oh, it kind of helps. A, that's kind of helps uh, you know give more depth. You don't. It's not necessary, but it gives you more depth. You know, if you if you read the comic first, and then you'll understand a lot of the kind of the characters that are happening in this series because it's a sequel of sorts to the comic book. So, well, coming up on today's show, we're going to be doing uh, an annual tradition. It's going to be WH Parks year end picks. We have a number of categories that WH will uh, go through and we will see what his selections are for the best of 2019. Uh, but we'll also take a look at the full Tokyo Dome card lineups, some of the other events that are happening uh, in, during that first week of January and some of the shows we're going to be hitting up, uh, Stardom, All Japan, NOAA. It's going to be a, a pack-packed week. Uh, but I wanted to start off uh, because the Wrestling Observer Newsletter last week uh, came out with its Hall of Fame issue, and I did want to circle back and get some of your reaction to the class of 2019 WH. Uh, in total, 10 people going in, including uh, Los Misioneros de la Muerte on the Mexican ballot, Ultimo Guerrero, Ghetto, Viano Trace, Dr. Wagner Jr., Jim Crockett Sr., Bearcat Wright, and then there was the historical figure Paul Pons from France. But uh, first of all, anyone that you voted for that went through this year? Uh, no, because I would have voted for like Shima 
and Gene Akiyama, and they got denied, John. I was really disappointed. At the very I, I want to make this one clear because Jun Akiyama, I believe, missed by two votes. And I know everyone is maybe like giving an eye to me. I voted for Jun Akiyama, so I cannot be held responsible for the two votes that he was shy getting in this year. I finally got over the hump. I voted for Jun Akiyama, uh, and I did vote for Shima as well. So ne- neither went in. Well, maybe next year, but other than that, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm fully on board with like people like, you know, Jim Crockett senior. I, I'm as much as I bang on him. I do think ghetto deserves to be in as, as a booker because he, he has like shepherded this kind of, you know, this golden age for new Japan pro wrestling, this Renaissance, if you will, after a really dark time in the company's history in the early two thousands. So definitely I, I think his influence on the company is still being felt obviously, but I think years down the line, you're going to look at this period, the, the, the ghetto era of, of New Japan Pro Wrestling and just think of it as like, my God, how influential it was, not just in Japan, but all across the world. Yes, I think that's uh, definitely going to be a lasting legacy of this period is just how much um, lessons were learned from New Japan, copied elsewhere, and just the, the, right down to the creation of stars that at its core, that's what this industry still lives and dies on for for the most part. And I mean, who has made more stars in this last decade uh, than Ghetto at this point? Uh, alongside Giotto as well at the the onset of the booking period between these two. You could even argue that like things like, you know, All Elite Wrestling might not have formed as as it did without like the influence of his booking of people like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Where is Kenny Omega these days if he had not made that jump to New Japan at that time? Where is several of those members had, you know, Nakamura not left? I mean, you can, you can play all these what ifs, but it's certainly, I, I think, the, the trickle down effect, the just the ripple in the industry that has come from that New Japan period, I would say from 2014 to 17, um, has just, it's, it's enormous. Yeah, I, I do want to make a note of like saying how happy I am that Dr. Wagner Jr. is is in the Hall of Fame now because I am such a huge fan. His his work in New Japan pro wrestling in the uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, excellent stuff. Like I, I followed a bit of his stuff in Mexico, but for me, like he is one of those guys that I once I saw him in New Japan pro wrestling, I was like, who is this guy? And he's he's one of those wrestlers from Mexico that really took to Japanese uh, wrestling really well like you know he started off in lucha libre and then he moved over into new japan strong style and the in the junior heavyweight division of the time and he was just mixing it up so well with people like koji kanemoto el samurai liger otani taikawa you know even people like kendo kashin whom i'm not a huge fan of but like he, he had some good interactions with that guy even just an absolute immense like talent that i had the privilege of seeing you know, not in not live. I did see him live though once, John, with his son at a Stardom show. Believe it or okay. not, because he because he had he had this he has this relationship with uh, Rossi Ogawa, who I think is a big fan of his, and like he's done some involvement with with Stardom back when like Io Shirai was still in the company. So that was really cool to see him in that capacity. This is without the mask, obviously, as well. But uh, yeah, just absolutely over the moon that Dr. Wagner Jr. is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I was really happy to see so many candidates on the Mexico ballot, which is the deepest of all the categories, get in this year. So I think that frees up a lot of votes moving forward. I've always felt Ultimo Guerrero and Viano were Hall of Famers, so 
Nice to see them go in uh, this year. In terms of uh, Japanese candidates, uh, the ones beyond Junakiyama, who just missed, he had 59% and it's 60 uh, to get in. Um, guess not really a, a Japanese candidate, but Kenny Omega with uh, 53%. As I'm just looking at uh, the stats here. And then uh, Kota Bushi made a big uh, improvement going from 16% last year up to 42 I would say that Abushi, I think ultimately he will be in. Uh, Tetsuya Naito, 36%. I guess he's one that I think this next year is going to be pivotal. If he ends up coming out of the domes as the double champion, everything's built around him in 2020, business is solid. That's probably going to be enough to put Naito in. But conversely, it could go a different way for Naito. I, I I don't think he's a guarantee to go in. No, he's not. But I do think if 2020, he's the champion. And I think the thing that's pivotal for him more than becoming the champion and having a run with that belt is if he's able to make stars with his title reign. Like if you program, like, say, Sonata against him and that elevates Sonata to another level if he's programmed against like you know ibushi and he takes ibushi to another level which i can see that happening um then i think naito's a shoo-in if he's just having like kind of run-of-the-mill title defenses against unaspiring challengers like if he's just fighting tanahashi and, and and okada again and he's not trying to he's not taking these younger guys the guys underneath him and making them stars and i kind of I'm worried about it. It's, not, it's like like Okada's a, a you know like an easy shoe in for me. Like if I was to vote and Okada's on the ballot, then yeah, definitely because he's not only had you know a, a huge positive effect on New Japan financially, but he's made people bigger stars than they were before. And as we look ahead to uh, next year, the ones that are being added, this is maybe the most interesting uh, group of guys that are being added to the ballot next year. Uh, I just want your yes/no, uh, and I, <laughs> I think I can guess all of them here of what you are going to say. Ole Anderson, yes. Kevin Nash, no. Scott Hall, no. Brian Pillman, oh, that's a tough one. I like Brian Pillman, but no. I don't think Pillman gets in. Joe Higuchi, that's an interesting one. Yes. And uh, Takaki Kadani, yes. I think so. He should get in because he's he's a large part of why New Japan is as successful as it is right now. Yeah, that one is interesting. The following year, uh, Kazuchika Okada gets on the ballot. Will Okada top – Kenta Kobashi was 98% if I can think uh, back to 2002 when he goes in. Does Okada top 98% in terms of votes he gets when he gets on the ballot? Ooh, that's a good question, John. I, I would say that – He's going to go over 75%, but 98, I don't know. Kobashi was just like, you know, like, the man was a fucking legend, you know, by the time he was in, into the, voted into the Hall of Fame job. So, I think Okada like, has to be in. I, I think he has to be in. I I think the only people that are not going to vote on him are the people that don't like to vote for people in the midst of their runs. But to me, there's no question about Okada. He will absolutely be a vote for me. Yeah, if I had a ballot, I would totally vote for that dude. Okay, well, maybe maybe the bigger uh, we have to get W H Park on the on the voting list for 2020. Is that can, can we start this grassroots campaign? Because you should absolutely be voting. Apparently, you you think you think I should be on it, and apparently, Will Cooling also thinks I should be 
getting a, a ballot, you know, because like talking to him uh, recently, he was like, oh, I, I talked to Dave. I, I said you should be on the you should get a vote. And I don't know if Dave even knows who I am, but it doesn't matter. Like, I, I, I like talking about these things with people like you and Will and, and Jamesy and, and like Benno and everything is it's, it's, that's fine in of itself for me, John. So if I get one, that'd be awesome. But if I don't, I, I'm OK. There was, uh, you know, I I was first invited to vote one year and I think I voted for like two or three years and then one year came and I did not receive a ballot. So I thought like, oh, did I, did I slip? Did I, am I, am I like off the list? And then the following year I, I got a ballot back. So th- there, there was a one year blip for me. Well, that might've just, Dave forgot something. I, the man is a very busy person, you know, so he, he is a very busy man, but uh, anyway, that, uh, that is the observer hall of fame class for 2000 and 19 and uh also uh i'm just scanning through here a- any other notable candidates uh kojima and tenzon 17 percent uh we we've talked about kind of the uh the cases for many of these people um a lot tomohiro ishii 24 percent i i would say those levels i don't see them shima as well like was in the low 20s uh 26 percent actually i don't see any of those candidates going in including ishii uh if ishii's at 24 percent right now I don't know if that's necessarily going to grow unless there is, you know, a groundswell of support for Ishii or something that changes. But at 45 years old now, I don't know if, like, his resume is his in-ring. And I don't think he can make a stronger argument than that. That is the case to be made. And 24% believe he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but the thing with Ishii is, like, he's in a company where, like, the in-ring among so many people in that company is is just as amazing you know what i mean and like they have better credentials in terms of being like you know box office draws and like champions and like people and star makers like ishii is an amazing worker he is and but like this is the this has happened in the back end of his career like if you go i don't know earlier than 2010 there's nothing remarkable about tomohiro ishii there really isn't yeah and i think that that's that's a part of the hall of fame that you know it's something i struggle with too because i look at you know, should I should I be voting on people that I did not live through that because you really do have to assess the entirety of the career and not just cherry pick the good. And, you know, that's that's a point that's been raised by Dave as well. And I agree with it that you you can't just, um, you know, essentially cut out all the bad and just focus on on the good of one candidate. And you have to look at that entire career was was Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, would anyone be talking about this guy as a candidate a decade ago? Not a chance. No. And, and like getting back to one name you mentioned, Kojima, like Kojima, I would, I would vote in for on his own, not in the tag team, because I think as someone who was wrestling in, in all Japan after the split from with Masawa to form Noah, and then he came in with Keiji Muto and he became one of the top guys in the company. He was, he was multiple time triple crown champion. He helped keep that company alive, John. And like, like if he, he had, had some- that run during the 2010s and we were in the midst of that. I, I think that he's, you know, he, he did his biggest stuff when it was like a fraction of the worldwide audience was paying attention to new Japan. I think that that works against him. Oh yeah, and like he had awesome matches when he returned to New Japan as well. I mean, I say he was like someone who kind of helped establish Tanahashi to another level. Like Tanahashi was like a, a top star, but he became a megastar thanks in part to people like you know Satoshi Kojima. So he's definitely a, 
on his own, like an easy vote for me if I had if I had a vote. So, well, uh, he was the headliner at the Tokyo Dome in 2011 with Tanahashi. We now segue over to 2020, the back-to-back Dome Nights. And as we, as we approach this, WH, do you do you feel like this? It seems that tickets are going very well for both nights. Do you see this being something that they try again, or do you think this is going to be the only time they do this experiment of back-to-back Tokyo Dome Nights? I think it really depends on, like, you know, when, when does January 4th fall? under like on the calendar like it we're we have the benefit of it being on a saturday and so january 5th is sunday so it's easy for people to still be on holiday in japan at the time like uh like most people at my company are going back to work on uh the 6th i'm not i'm taking i took another week off to like hang out with you guys and if that wasn't the case i would probably just go back home as well like if it's on a monday and people are going back to work on the 5th no, it's they're not. They, they'd be kind of foolish to do that, John, because I Which don't. Which is think, what it falls on next year, a Monday and Tuesday. Well, then I don't think that's happening. Then, like I, we'll find out because they're going to announce everything at the Wrestle Kingdom shows this year. They're going to announce all the big shows that they're going to have throughout the year. So we'll find out, like if they're going to do it again. Um, I don't think it can sustain itself. I really don't, John. So first night, uh, let's just run through the card here. Uh, the opener on the first night will be Jushin Thunder Liger, Tatsumi Fujinami, Great Sasuke, and Tiger Mask with El Samurai in their corner, taking on Naoki Sano, Shinjiro Otani, Tatsuhito Takeiwa, and Ryusuke Taguchi with Kuniaki Kobayashi, who was uh, Liger's first Dome opponent in 1989 in their corner. Uh, so do you like this placement, starting things off with the eight-man? Um, Sure, I guess. I... I have a lot of feelings about the way his retirement tour has been handled, John, since the time they've announced it till like the his last match on the fifth that we'll talk about when we get to it. But I I am really overall been disappointed with the way they've handled his retirement. Like you, you look at the the what was it? The uh, the San Diego show, I guess, that I covered with Davis Storm and his last American match was in a tag you know and he was on the losing end of that you know and i'm just like why why did you book that in the first place why can't you couldn't have him do a singles and here's the thing i I, i'm really shocked at the lack of singles matches for this man in the in his retirement tour yeah and i wonder if that is that is him not thinking he can pull it off but i like I, i thought the like the to me it's like the retirement tour really peaked with Minoru Suzuki at King of Pro Wrestling. I thought that was fantastic. And it just seems that the curious booking was, well, if they're doing Suzuki here, they've got to have something enormous planned for the retirement because this could totally be his send-off with Minoru Suzuki, and that should have been the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, I mean, like, he talked about he wanted a singles match on the 5th, and then they gave him this this tag match, which I'm really perplexed about but we'll, we'll talk about that when we yeah, get to the we'll fifth. get to that uh so a bunch of multi-mans on the undercard next up is a sonata evil shingo takagi and bushi against zack saber jr minoru suzuki taichi and el desperado uh in the quest of how much talent can we, can we get into one eight-man tag here that i imagine is going to get about 10 minutes why isn't shingo takagi in a singles match on any of these nights john Shingo is, you know, every year this happens where there's someone that, unfortunately, it's a numbers game. Shingo is certainly in that in that 
uh, boat this year. I was disappointed too. I, I thought we were really building to something with Minoru Suzuki and sure you can get to that at new beginning, but yeah, that was one that, I mean, they, they've been heavily promoting that one. Yeah. It just, it just boggles me. They have two nights and like some of these, these matches that they've announced and some of the, the glaring omissions are, are really like confusing me to be quite honest with you, but we'll, we'll get to that. Those as, as we get to them, I suppose. Our next eight-man tag, Kenta, Bad Luck Fale, Yujiro, and Chase Owens against Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, Toru Yano, and Yoshihashi. Um, nothing really jumps out at me here. This is largely setting up Kenta and Goto for the next night and whatever involvement Ishii has here. I mean, it's a kind of underwhelming role for him. John, this is the piss break match. <laughs> well, it's only the third match in. I mean, what what state is your bladder going to be in just three matches in? John, you don't know what the pre-drinking bef- before we're going to go into the the dome. You're, you're not aware of this. What this what, what happens in Tokyo Dome City, just outside the Tokyo Dome, bef- before the doors open, is like there's a, a lot of fans out out and about just drinking. And not that I condone that or 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 or, or condemn it or anything. It's just, that's just what it is. Like for a lot of people, this is the piss break match, the oh, third match in. A... Once you see bad luck Fale on a major card, John, that's a piss break match. I am I am really looking forward to being seated next to WH Park to to watch this. I mean that to me is part of the fun. I you might be one of my favorite people to watch a wrestling show with. Well, we had all that fun at the uh, WXW shows, John. You know, so back in back in August. So yeah, that's true. We, we've done some I, Smash wrestling shows together. I have said to uh, our mutual acquaintance uh, Mark Romani, who's going to be joining us for the uh, the Stardom show. Like I asked him if he's ever sat next to you at a show he says and he says I, he doesn't think so and he's asked me why and i said well the the puns do not stop when you sit next to john pollock at a live wrestling show well i will uh i might i might i i don't know what i'm going to be doing actually when i'm in my seat like i feel i i, I am going to have to like take some notes at some points as well because we do have to talk about all this afterwards but we're going to find out what the uh what it's like uh inside the tokyo dome i i I, I fully believe that the experience of being in the Tokyo Dome, I feel by like match five, I'll have it out of my system. Oh, probably, yeah. I don't think you'll feel that way when we're in Cork and Hall. No, know? I'm to be honest, like, yes, it's cool to watch a show for the first time at the Tokyo Dome, but I am way more interested in going to Cork and Hall than I am the Tokyo Dome itself. And we've talked about the match we're going to get for that show, John, but anyways. Next up, uh, Gorillas of Destiny against Juice Robinson and David Finley, who just won the World Tag League. I was really glad they – you and I kind of called these two as like the underdogs that we'd both like to see end up winning the Tag League. This was at the start of it. I was happy to see they went with this because I, I – my body cannot process another Gorillas of Destiny versus Evil and Sonata tag. Not at this juncture in my life. Oh, yeah. The Finn Juice winning the Tag League – I, I love that match. I was on the edge of my seat during that whole thing with them against Evil and Sonata. And I was just, I loved like the last five minutes. And just David Finley, someone I, you and I have both been high on for a long, long time. That, that he was got a breakout to, performance for him oh, in that yeah. final. He was made a star in that. And I just hope they, they carry the momentum of that match into this. And I, I predict Finn Juice winning the tag team titles. And may, maybe Juice Robinson, people talk about Naito two belts up on Twitter. Maybe we need the hashtag thin two belts as well i mean yeah, sorry because, juice juice two belts yeah because juice will be challenging the winner of the u.s title which is our next match a texas death match in japan between lance archer and john moxley i think this is really going to work for the crowd i think they're going to be into it moxley's had uh, a tremendous rebound year getting out of wwe this past year and lance archer has been 
one of, if not the most improved guys this year. So this is, I think this is really going to click. Oh yeah. I like, I love the angle at the, uh, the finals of the world tech league. And like when he came out to challenge Archer and then he also DDT to uh, Minoru Suzuki. So I'm kind of hoping maybe they're going to set something up for the fifth. Like, I don't know if Moxley's doing two nights. I imagine he's there for new year's dash as well. So Maybe we're going to get something with him on the fifth. That'll be really cool as well. But uh, yeah, like maybe I, I can see Archer, you know, like retaining the belt because like of Moxley's, you know, contract with, with uh, AW precludes him from working in the United States for New Japan. So if you're the U.S. champion, I imagine yeah, you should be able to defend the U.S. title in the United States, John. That, that there should be some prerequisites, I guess, for holding holding a championship. Uh, Will Ospreay, Hiromu Takahashi, this one should be outstanding and uh, could, could be the match of the show. Could be. Oh, yeah. Like, we'll find out. Like, you know, like the New Japan has set up some matches for Hiromu to work the, the road to the Wrestle Kingdom, you know, in the at Corican Hall. So he won't have necessarily ring rust by the time he gets to this show. So I'm I'm excited about this match. This is probably my second most anticipated match for the fourth. Um, and I'm, I'm just so happy from Takahashi is back. And I think him and Osprey are just going to kill it in the ring and hopefully not each other, but just the match itself. Uh, Jay White, Tetsuya Naito for the Intercontinental Championship in our, our first title match to set up the, the double title match the next night. Um, I think everyone's expecting Naito to win this. I think that it's always dangerous to assume anything with Naito, especially when it's Jay White on the opposite side. So I, I will say of these four, I if it's me, I'm going with Okada and Naito the next night, but I I can see them going with literally any pairing here. Yeah, I'm I'm sticking with my thoughts about Naito. Naito's gonna beat Jay White, he's gonna win the IC title, he's gonna go to the fifth, a challenge, Okada. And we'll talk about that match, I guess. But you know, the good thing about the the long entrance ramp, John, at the Tokyo Dome for Wrestle Kingdom is like during Jay White's ty- like entrance, not during the match, but during the entrance, that's the other piss break of the night for me. <laughs> well, uh, Naito, this could be like everything seems geared around Naito for these two nights. Um, Okada and Kota Ibushi, uh, th- this is going to be phenomenal. I'm expecting a really long war between these two, and I, I see Okada retaining. Yeah, I I thought the angle they did where <laughs> Ibushi just fucking beamed Okada with oh, that briefcase, man. Just and then and just him just beat the shit out of him like. He was like stiffing Okada in that post-match. And I just thought that one segment did so much more for the build to this Tokyo Dome you know, match than anything they've done in the, in the months before. I think that this one has to go long. I think this should be a total war between these two and Okada winning. And then you have the story the next night that if Naito wins, presuming Naito goes to the next night, that, you know, he he gets the weakened version of Okada. So that leaves you with a rematch way down the road. You have the natural program with uh, Abushi can beat Jay White the next night, and you have the Naito-Abushi program you can reset. So that sets up a lot of opponents already for Naito out of the gate. Can I just say something about the structure of this card, John? Like the first four matches like are, are I think are going to be really short, you know? 
Like I think all the the the, the eight man tags, the first three matches are going to be yeah. less than less than maybe fifteen minutes, maybe ten to twelve minutes, maybe. Uh, I think the the IWGP Tag Team Championship match is is going to be around maybe ten to fifteen, and then because I think Archer and Moxley are going to go a bit long, Osprey Hiromu probably fifteen minutes minimum, and then I do think Osprey, I mean sorry, Jay White and Naito is going to go about twenty, and Okada and Bushi, I don't know how long they're going to go. It's six. I think they'll tease limit. an hour. I think they will tease an hour. We're going to be there for a while. So that that piss break at the beginning of Jay White's entrance, John, is a good idea. That might be the best structured piss break of the night is during that during that entrance because I'm expecting a very long main event. Do you do, do you see an argument the other way around that this could be um, that you could put the title on Abushi here, whether it's keeping it for one night or Abushi coming out of uh, this this uh, two night dome event? Well, you got to think about the way Ghetto books. He books long term stories. He books stories that pay off of things that happened before. Look at like Okada Tanahashi. Remember the the title defense where Tanahashi beat Okada and Okada was crying? That led to the next year, right? Where where Okada finally vanquished uh Tanahashi and he and that kind of cemented him as the ace of the company. So I think the whole thing with Naito and Okada, like that's the story. That's the this the the match to cement Naito as not just the most popular guy in the company, because he is, but like as as an ace, ace level star in the company. So it has to be against Okada. Like yep. if he was a champion and Okada was a challenger, that would be fine as well. Because the story is not that Naito is beating Okada to win the the, the world title. It's that he's beating Okada at a Wrestle Kingdom in the main event at the Tokyo Dome. That's the main story. The the title is is part of it, but it's not the main part. I agree. I think that it th- this whole story has been centered around Naito getting that that win over Okada at the Tokyo Dome. That's that's what I expect. That's why I, I assume that we get, and that will take us into January fifth. So let's take a look at that card. That one's going to open up again in the opener is Jushin Liger's retirement match with Naoki Sano against Ryu Lee, the former Dragon Lee, and Hiromu Takahashi. And uh, Yoshiaki Fujiwara will be in the corner of Liger and Sano. I do not like this one opening the show. I think that the best case scenario is this is a super emotional ending. And that's your first match of the night. I I don't know about the placement of that. I, I don't even like the fact that it's a tag match, John. Honestly, like they should have just done him and Hiromu. Like, and then if Hiromu is expected to take the IWGP junior title, then you could have done something where he challenges one last time for the, for the, for the title. That would have been, I think, a lot more symbolic and a lot more appropriate. So, you know, people are saying to me, Oh, yeah, I like this match because Naoki Sano, blah, blah, blah. Listen, I haven't fucking seen Naoki Sano in like the last 10 fucking years. So I don't know what he looks like. I, he might be still a, you know, great grizzled veteran type of guy, but you know, all these generational rivals take on another set of generational rivals. I, I don't see that. Like, I just see like some like haphazard booking of Liger on this retirement turn is continuing on his last night in the ring. It's just, it just bothers me, John. I'm not a fan of like the placement. I'm not a fan of the, like it being a tag match. Just none of it is sitting well with me. I, d- I don't know if Sano was the best pick. Like it- I, I am all for symbolism and story, but 
there has to be uh, a balance there as well because you don't want the, – the, the symbolism in the story doesn't get told if the match falls flat. And I don't feel this will fall flat. I don't think the crowd will let it. Uh, but Liger is really, to me, uh, he needs to be the focal point of his side. And the idea of here you have your new generation of rivals that are coming together uh, to – like that is obviously what the idea he- here is that these two are seen as the uh, disciples of the opponents that they're going to vanquish here together um, that have the history together with the injury. But I just think that that's, that's a lot to throw number one in the opener. And I think people, they had understandably so set their expectations pretty high for what Liger's retirement was going to be. And instead of doing the, this kind of dual passing of the torch to new rivals, I think in in a singles capacity, that story is much clearer and I would have much greater faith in the match itself with simply Liger against either Lee or Hiromu. I would have done Hiromu because like he's the guy who's like pegged as the next junior heavyweight ace of this company. And what better way to like cement that than by him facing Liger in his retirement. And even, even if he lost, you know, I don't think that would happen if it was Liger and Hiromu. I think Liger would do like would do everything in his power to make sure that Hiromu would get the win at the end and he would put him over because that's a theme. You know, like I've been doing Thunderstruck, and one of the themes you see in his in his career is like Liger's very, you know, like selfless and like how he makes sure younger guys get the rub off of him and like you know become stars. Like I, I just reviewed a match featuring him and a young Shima. And that that was a the theme of the match is like he made Shima uh, a star in that match. And I think he could do the same with the symbolic, you know, passing of the torch one last time to Hiromu Takahashi, who I think, you know, before the injury, he was on that path to becoming like a, a transcendent star in this company. And that he's not just looked at as a junior heavyweight wrestler. He's looked at as a superstar wrestler, does, regardless of weight division. I think overall, I, th- I think the Liger retirement will still be one of the highlights of that entire week. I think that the ceremony the next night should, I imagine they're going to bring tons of stars back for that and try, pretty much try to recreate the one of Ric Flair's many retirements. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Yeah. I, not I'm, not, I'm not the one excited. where he lost to uh, Hulk Hogan in a cage in 94. No, they'll bring back Antonio Noki for, for that, John. Then we go on to the junior heavyweight tag title match with El Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori defending against Rapongi 3K. Uh, yeah, this should be outstanding. Oh, these four guys all just have amazing chemistry with one another. I really like the the show match against uh, El Fantasmo uh, in the uh, – it, it was San Diego, wasn't it? Was it San Jose or San Diego? It was, it was, it was San Jose, the one I reviewed. I'm sorry, yes. my memory is terrible. But they, they had – awesome chemistry with one another and then just throw in yo and taiji shimori two awesome workers themselves and yeah i'm, I'm very excited about this match john zach saber jr and sonata um i like this placement third on the card for the british heavyweight title and i i think that this is a great spot for sonata on the on this show it's not going to be one that uh everyone's zeroed in on but man this could be certainly I don't want to say a sleeper match. I think everyone's expecting this to be really great, and this should be. Uh, I, I like this pairing on on this in this setting for these two. I like the fact that the the British Heavyweight Championship, the the top belt for Rev Pro, is defended more in New Japan 
than it is in RevPro. And, 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 and God bless Zack Sabre Jr. for just, you know, making that basically an IWGP title, title belt, you know, instead of a RevPro belt, even though it says RevPro on it, it's basically the IWGP British title, John. But, but this is, should be a good match. I, I love both guys. I'm, I'm one of those people who doesn't hate Sonata. A lot of my, my, you know, peers, you know, really dislike Sonata, especially in Brit Res. But I, I'm sorry to tell you guys, Sonata's coming, coming to the UK to save Brit Res. He's coming to, to England to like revive the scene as the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Champion. Oh, I, I was thinking maybe he could come uh, to our home country and just swap out the S for a C and he could save our country's wrestling scene. Listen, John, T- TNA had the chance to do that with him. They just stuck him under a great Muda gimmick. Once again, showing they have no idea how to use Japanese talent. But uh, that ship has sailed, unfortunately. I, th- I think Sonata is is pretty happy, you know. Also, like, I think he's been, like, the victim of, like, someone taking him to coffee time instead of, like, Tim Hortons or Starbucks. And so Ooh. that might have soured him on Canada. Wow. That's... uh. That's a that's a deadly sin. Then we have Juice Robinson challenging for the U.S. title against X. Will that be John Moxley or Lance Archer? My gut feeling is Lance Archer. I think they're very high on Archer. I think Moxley doesn't need the title. I think the story could be you know like Juice can either avenge his loss against Moxley, yeah, or he could avenge his loss against Archer. Here's my my rationale about like I think Archer's gonna win both matches because like the guys become a bigger star in the company due to him being the US champion and he lives in the United States still, John. So like, you know, New Japan of America, they got this very, very ambitious schedule. And I think the US title is gonna be kind of a mantelpiece belt on these tours. And I think it's better to have the guy who actually lives in the United States, mm-hmm. you know, on tour, you know, with with the guys coming over for these shows and like juice robinson lives in japan now john so it's it's yeah. a much more difficult prospect for him to get on the plane go back to the united states and then come back to japan go back to the united states whereas watershare might be like hey you don't need to do this next japan tour because we're gonna have you like you know work a ton of matches on these two u.s tours like back to back in between you know like you don't have to come to japan in between do you feel that they ultimately just sped up plans with Lance Archer that King of Pro Wrestling, it would have been Juice beating Moxley and then going to Lance Archer after that? Or do you feel like Lance Archer just ultimately got, because of the change of plans, uh, pretty much backdoored his way into this where it, it's it's a giant career break for him? See, I, I really think like Juice's like 2020 is going to be in the tag division with David Finley. I think they're going to win the tag titles. And that's the best thing that can happen to those belts. Cause like it really freshens up that scene. They're a great team. Um, I kind of think it's, it's better for juice to be kind of in the, in the tag division now, rather than be in the U S title. Cause it, it's just boring with him in the, it. The Honestly, tag division badly needs uh, some, some new blood and juice and David Finley represent that. Like w- what's exciting about juice Robinson being the United States champion. Nothing. Not at not at the moment, no. Kenta Hiroki Goto for the never open weight title. Oh yeah, like listen, like those backstage interviews Kenta's been doing just goes to show you, man, WWE missed the boat on this dude. Like, oh, he can't he can't speak English fluently. Da 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 da. Listen, 
he is one of the the highlights, John, of New Japan programming with like all his like you know talking to the camera, like like saying to Hiroki Goto, calling him hero, hero, like and saying you wanna you wanna be you might you know are we dating? Are you mad at me? Like all the stuff, the stuff he was doing with Tomohiro Ishii before, fucking great. I love it, and I really think Kenta's like found his groove, like working with like the limitations of his body after all the abuse he's put it through over the years. And I think this is going to be a hell of a match because he's in there with a guy who doesn't give a shit, John, because like, they're just going to beat the piss out of each other. I see this being Goto's annual wrestle kingdom high point moment. And I, I see him winning this. Yeah, me too. Um, and we'll see what kind of involvement uh, Shibata has in this match. I mean, they teased it. They did two physical, physical, you know, altercations between Kenta and Shibata. You'd think he was going to be in the match. I'm not, I'm not against him not being in the match if he's not fully cleared. But you got to think that maybe they're saving that for New Year's Dash or like one of the uh, New Beginning shows. It's really tough. Like if he's not cleared. How much do you continue to tease stuff because you're you're dangling this like it's almost at a point where you want people to forget it if you can't deliver the match. I don't think Ghetto's that kind of a booker like that he's going to tease people with like especially like something that would mean so much to the fans like if Shibata was able to come back like you should never you know like dangle that in front of in front of these people's hearts like you remember when he came back like just to show after his injury he just showed up and said i'm not dead and people in sumo hall were crying john they were fucking crying i was one of them i was crying too i was like oh my god he's back but that i knew that he wasn't coming back to wrestle he's that's, that's just that he's okay and that he's out of the hospital that was that was enough for me and then like this idea that he might come back to wrestle but if he doesn't then no I don't think that Ghetto would do that. I really don't. Then it's going to be the losers of the top two matches. So if our predictions are accurate, this would be Jay White versus Kota Ibushi, a rematch from the G1 finals. I wish they put some stakes on this, John. Like just the two losers face each other. Give give them a reason to fight. You know what I mean? I, I see the winner probably being your new beginning challenger. I could, I could see that. So there's there's something there for the winner. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that's that's something that they announce maybe b- before the match starts. But I think this should be a, a really fun match. I'm, I'm not the hugest fan of the Switchblade character, but I do think they these two have good chemistry. I just I just don't want to see the shenanigans, John. Like I don't want to see a re you know recreation of their the G1 Climax Finals from August. That's all. Yeah, you were you were not a fan of some of that, as I recall. No. Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Chris Jericho. Uh, kind of interesting how you book this with, you know, Jericho holding AEW's title. Does he lose here to Tanahashi? Um, I don't think New Japan gives a shit about the AEW title, nor should they. It, they're not affiliated with that company. It, in fact, it seems like there's kind of like some distance. It's up to Jericho. Like, I think they pay Jericho his appearance fee and they say this is what's going to happen in the match. And he says... Okay, no problem. Like, I think that's a, it's deliberate that he's a different character. He's not the champion in any of the promos. He's his pain maker character. I think yep. for him and for, for the fans, it's a way of saying, like, listen, that person in AW, the world champion AW, that's not who's fighting Tanahashi here. This is a different version of the character of Chris Jericho. And so if he loses, it's okay because he's, 
I don't think he's bringing up the belt with him, John. So what do you see here? This is just a, a Tanahashi victory? Yeah, I, I think I think they'll have a fun match. I, I'm not a huge fan of Chris Jericho in, in New Japan, John. I, lot, lot, too much brawling. I'm, I'm really sick of the brawling in New Japan, and like I don't find it exciting when Chris Jericho's done it. Like I didn't like the Okada match in, in uh, at Dominion. The Naito match was okay, but maybe Tanahashi can rein him in, and they'll have more of an in-ring match. I hope so. I am a big fan of you know Jericho in AW. I I love that character, and I I love what he's been doing there. But yeah, I'm I'm just hoping, please, more of that, less of like the the you know the the murder clown fucking brawl, walk and brawl dude. We'll see. But I do think Tanahashi's going to win this match. I'd be surprised if he lost. I, and I do think maybe in, for the foreseeable future, maybe that's it for Jericho for a while. I, I could see that as well. Like, at Dominion at the at the earliest. And it'll be interesting to see. Like, is New Japan still something that he's going to continue uh, beyond this? Like, the Tanahashi, I mean, they shot that angle all the way back uh, in the spring. So you did have to pay that off. And I'm sure this was kind of earmarked for this show for months and months and months. And what will happen after this? Uh, we'll see. And then the main event, it is going to be the two winners from January 4th and Naito and Okada is what people are expecting. We'll see if that happens. And you're of the belief it will be Tetsuya Naito at the end of both domes holding up both titles. I believe so, John. I've been wrong many times before, but that I'm going to stick with that. And I think this is going to go long. I think this is going to hit the limit as well. It could, it could be a really, really lengthy match. And yeah, I, th- I think this sets up a lot. If you have Naito coming out of this, you have... You know, Abushi, which is a feud that they have, they can always go back to. And if Abushi beats Jay White, that's something they can go to. You have Okada that gets the guy who didn't want the double championships suddenly finds himself with zero, and it gives him something to work back towards. And if Tanahashi beats Jericho, he should be in the mix too for one more title uh, chance with Naito as well. And you line up Naito with a lot of all your big names coming out of. Uh, January 5th. So, I mean, that that could be the direction that they go. Yeah, I I just don't want Okada anywhere near that belt for a while. I, I really think you need to, like, get new people in that mix. So, like, when he gets the belt back, you have all these guys who've been elevated by, like, Naito being the champion. And even if he, they don't beat him, but he elevates them. So, like, when Okada gets the belt, like, okay, when I face you know, wrestler C who wasn't really on my level, but now he's on a higher level in 2020 or 2021, even then it's more exciting and it's a more intriguing matchup and people want to pay money to see that. Like that's what I'm hoping for 2020 with like, hopefully with Naito as a champion, it's just Okada does something else. Like I, I would not be opposed if Okada just went into the tag division himself and, and worked there, but that's not the way new Japan books their tag division. Unlike, like, say, for example, Pro Wrestling Noah or or All Japan Pro Wrestling. Do you see them keeping the the titles kind of merged together for a long period of time? Do you do you see them down the road separating them again? I I can't see them not having the IC title available as a, a a prop, not a prop, but you know, like a device to elevate people or and like keep them busy. Like I thought it was a great thing for Jay White to to win the belt in the sense like it keeps him hot. Like he's someone that they that they want to you know push continuously, but like he can't 
always, you know, be the champion. If he doesn't have a title, it's kind of hard to like keep the focus on him. So having the IC title on him is a great kind of placeholder in ways, and it gives him something to do. It's same thing like when Nakamura hold the, held the belt, like he wasn't going to be the IWGP champion during Okada's reign or like some of Tanahashi's reign. So, but he elevated because he's Nakamura and like, he has such a stature in the company. He elevated that title where it meant just as much for someone to challenge the IC champion as it did the world champion in some respects. Yeah. It's, it's funny that at this point where you could see Okada needing to step away from the title picture to allow Naito to have this, this run that the IC title would have been a great device to kind of take Okada's attention away from the title and and he could run with that title but that's not an option here no I mean you could also easily do like this idea where Naito gets both belts but he says you know at a press conference or maybe at New Beginning listen I got two belts but I don't want to carry both of them he could just do the tranquilo thing it's like these are heavy like I, I don't want to carry this one anymore so as much as I, I respect it, I'm going to abdicate the IC title. And then they have a tournament for it. That, I think that would be a, a nice solution as well. Yeah, I just think you've built this up for so long. The idea of being a double champion that I don't think you can just vacate one of them immediately. Uh, I, I do feel they're going to keep these titles together for, for at least a, a, a bit of a period. And that's kind of the the new shiny toys that everyone is going for to become double champion. That now Naito is the only one who can say he has been a double champion. And that's something that eludes everybody else. Yeah, I think that's that's a great solution as well. So, so that is the lineups for both uh, Tokyo Dome shows. Which, which night do you, th- do you see as the, the stronger of the two? I kind of go back and forth on this, John. But like for me, like... I I like the intrigue of of night two, like the the fifth. I like not exactly knowing what we're gonna get. And yeah. I do think if we get Naito and Okada, it's gonna be an epic match. And I think the the fans in attendance, if they get Naito Okada and Naito wins, like it's gonna be a much stronger emotional response from the majority of the fans in that building as opposed to if Okada beats Ibushi. I don't think there's as much emotional resonance there. And I want to get to our, our year-end picks, but just quickly looking at some of the other shows. Uh, All Japan on January 3rd. That's going to feature Kento Miyahara and Jake Lee for the uh, Triple Crown title. Noah's got a Korokan Hall show. They've got uh, several shows going on that week. But the January 4th show that will precede the Tokyo Dome card, uh, Kaito Kiyomiya defending the GHC heavyweight title against Goshi Ozaki, Takashi Sugiura, and Masakita Miya for the national title. And... We have a junior heavyweight title with Hayata and Yoshinari Ogawa, as well as Katsuhiko Nakajima against Michael Elgin. That should be really solid. This is a very, very strong Noah card. This show's selling really well, John. Like, they took a chance, and my God, it pays off. It's paid off. Like, I think the show we're going to is on the 5th, which is before, you know, the, the Wrestle Kingdom Day 2. And they, they're not announcing anything for that show. It's all a secret. So I think we're going to, we're going to see some, like kind of significant things happen to the show that we're going to attend. But, you know, the, the January 4th Noah show at Corican is running head to head with Russell Kingdom. So I thought, you know, oh, that's a bad idea. Who's going to go to that? But a lot of people are going to that. It's selling really, really well. There's a lot oh, of people. Wow. So I, I thought this was, it was the plan was for this to be done by the Tokyo Dome, but they're running against it. They're running against it, John. And here's the thing. 
like we've talked about this before this whole idea of like you know what there are new japan fans and there are noah fans there's very little crossover so a lot of the noah fans are gonna be at you know the corican hall for this big noah show and and I'm 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 happy that they've announced the card and it's like it's loaded with title matches and and some really intriguing matchups. I think coming out of this, there's going to be a lot of momentum for Noah. At least I hope there is, and that maybe some people who might not have who might not be fans of New Japan Pro Wrestling but are fans of wrestling, maybe they'll give Noah a chance while they're in Tokyo. Yeah, so tons of stuff going on. Uh, we'll be going. What are all the shows we're going to? We're going to Stardom. We're going to All Japan on the 3rd. We're going to NOAA on the 5th. Yeah, that, and then uh, New Year's Dash and two Wrestle Kingdom shows. Like, you know, I don't, I don't think we have much time to do anything else, though, John. It's a, it's a packed week. So we're getting, right. we're getting Kento Miyahara versus Jake Lee for the Triple Crown, John. Like, I'm that, really happy that we got a Triple Crown title match for your first time in Cork and Hall. Yeah, I was expecting that they'd have Miyahara in a in a big match on on the third. So no, that that should be excellent. Uh, you know, Kento Miyahara is just what what a phenomenal year this guy has had. And maybe that's going to segue to one of our categories here from WH as we take a look at the the past year. So we've got a number of categories here, and uh, any particular order you want to go in WH? Do you want me to start at the the top of the list that you sent me? Sure, just you you pick the order, John. Okay, well let's let's begin with wrestler of the year. WH, your pick for 2019. So this is for me like this category means the in-ring performer of the year. The wrestler of the year for me is is Will Ospreay just cuz like I can't think of a single person in Japan who's had uh, as stellar a year as this guy has with like all the tournaments he's been in just racking up a hell of a resume. He's also had like a hell of a tag resume teaming with Robbie Eagles in the, uh, the, the junior tag league. Um, yeah, easy, easy for me from the beginning of the year with the match against Debussy at the last Wrestle Kingdom up to, you know, like the stuff he's been doing in the United States, you know, the stuff he did with red. Yeah. It's a, it was a fun match. Not, not mind blowing, but still significant. Like he's kept himself in the news, John, and he's done it with his in-ring work. And I, I really appreciated the fact that they gave him the tag league off. Well, thank God for that. Yeah. After this year, it's like you, you can have December off. Just take it easy. Get ready for the dome. Uh, yeah, it's uh, this was Will Ospreay's year. I thought. Um, you know, you can you can make different arguments, especially when you bring in, uh, you know, drawing capacity into the equation. Which Osprey was to me, he was a big factor of the the Super Juniors tournament this year. And I think as I think what could be a real feather in his cap next year is his involvement on these U.S. cards because to me he is someone that if he is headlining those U.S. cards, they become much more priorities to watch than if it's just a a rank and file show. Even with some of the Japanese top talent, I think Osprey doing a singles match that becomes a big deal. Oh, definitely. I think he's going to factor in. I think a lot of their you know their quote unquote foreign wrestlers are going to factor in a lot of these U.S. cards. I I think just Robinson and Lance Archer for sure. You know, it's 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 funny because like I think if New Japan got to John Moxley earlier, they probably could have secured some U.S. dates for this guy. But like you know, the thing with his contract with AEW obviously precludes him from doing anything involving New Japan in the states. Your tag team of the year for 2019. Uh, this was tough, John, but I'm going to have to go with the uh, the Violent Giants, Suwama and Shiji Shikawa from All Japan Pro Wrestling. It was either them or Axis 
the team of Katsuko Nakajima and Go Shizaki and Pro Wrestling Noah. But I was looking at their matches, like all the matches I've seen of them, and I just felt that, you know, Violent Giants had a much more diverse range of opponents and, and exciting matches a little bit more than, than Axis. Axis kind of was stuck in this feud with like Kazuma Sakamoto and, and Takashi Sugiera like earlier in the year. And it was, it was good, but eh, a little eh, stale for me. And then, you know, they, the thing about Axis is like they're very important to the financial success of Pro Wrestling Noah. I think they're legit draws, but I'm just looking at this as a as a purely like in ring thing, and I'm gonna go with the Violent Giants. No, great pick. They just won their their second uh, real world tag league uh, tournament. Most popular wrestler of the year. I gotta go with Tetsuya Naito, John. Like this guy just gets amazing responses. He's, I think his. His push, his continued push in the company stems from how much he resonates with a lot of the fans in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And, like, he's a top merch seller. I don't know what to say. Like, I think, you know, like, they recognize this, and that's why they've, you know, are going to put him to the top, in my opinion. But, I mean, the way he's booked helps his popularity as well. I'm not saying it's just him organically. Like, as you well know, John, I was not a big fan of him before he became this uh, Los Ingobernables character. But, you know, like, I don't know anyone who gets the responses that he does, especially in New Japan. Like, I I really feel like you can, you know, not one person, not a single person is, like, more important than the, the brand itself, except for maybe Naito. You know what he also had to overcome this year? And I, I think that it was the, the person most affected by his departure was Naito. And that was Kenny Omega. Because if you insert Kenny Omega into the Jay White role this year, and that's Naito. Like, everyone remembers the G1 loss, Omega running him down afterwards. And you knew, like, that was being done for Naito to ultimately avenge that loss, beating Kenny Omega in the G1 final, which I would have imagined would have been the final this year of Naito and and Kenny Omega. I would have made that the final uh, this past year and setting up Naito going into the Tokyo Dome. And I think everything got uh, readjusted. Kota Bushi ends up in the role beating uh, beating Naito. But I think that if you have Kenny Omega in there, I think that's Naito's rival this year as opposed to Ibushi. And he kind of vanquishes the former champion and I think would have had that much more momentum this year, where I think at times he did cool off this year. Definitely. I I think, like, you know, the stuff he did with, you know, Ibushi, as, as, you know, as good as it was, also, like, one of those things that, you know, you and I were a little turned off by some of the, the, the dangerous spots in the matches. But, like, he, he's kind of this up-and-down character. But at the same time, he's, he's always going to be positioned at the top of the card on the the big shows because that's how popular he is. And I, I'm telling you, like, you know, if he wins the title on the fifth, John, like that, that Tokyo Dome is going to go crazy. Oh, and if he loses, oh my God, man, WH is going to just, uh, I don't know what will happen. Listen, if it was against Jay White, that'd be one thing. But like, if it's against Okada, like I'll be a little disappointed, but I'm not emotionally invested in Naito as a lot of people are like I just think it's a good idea I think it's the best idea to just pull the trigger on this dude get clear the blocks as far as the booking goes and just get him in that position so now you can focus on Sonata you can focus on Ibushi you can focus on Jay White more you can focus on all these guys simmering underneath and just kind of elevate 
everyone. So like, you know, elevate these guys and then all the guys underneath them get elevated as well. When, when WH gets upset about something, he is not the type to just yell and scream. He just will look over and just gives you a look and it's fuck this company. That's uh, when you know they have pissed you off. You know what where the match that's going to uh, garner that reaction is the Jay White uh, Kotobushi match, John, on the 5th. I could very well. I, I have a hard time imagining Jay White goes 0-2. That's that's true, too. But I can't, I can't imagine Kotobushi going 0-2 either. Yeah, it's I mean, I find it intriguing because I think you can make arguments all over the place. Like Jay White is maybe the consensus that, OK, there's no way this guy's leaving as, as double champion. And I, I don't believe that to be the case. But I mean, of the four, like who has been ghetto's most closely handled project this year it's jay white yeah and you got a point there the other thing is is like because he's ghetto's most you know carefully handled project that he's got a plan to like you know like he doesn't need as much care as like maybe ibushi does ibushi's kind of been i don't know a little lost outside of the g1 he's kind of not done anything significant in my opinion he bashed be, he bashed okada with a briefcase that well, was there you significant go. i mean they just portray him as kind of this this kind of goofy dude you know like and i don't think that's that's helpful for him but i i like, like this style of booking because i think where you know everyone hates the notion of 50 50 booking but then when people venture out of there and they're going to make someone really strong and therefore somebody has to lose it's I'm not always an advocate. You, you got to protect everybody. Like in order for wins to matter, the losses need to be significant too. And then th- they have to overcome that 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 obstacle when you lose a big match and having to come back. And that's been a staple of Ghetto's booking is someone hitting rock bottom and then c- overcoming that and avenging their loss. See, I can see Jay White eventually becoming a babyface, and that's what I'm actually hoping for because I really enjoyed his babyface work, John. Like, like kind of abandon the Switchblade character for for now and just be Jay White. So maybe he hits rock bottom. He 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 gets kicked out of the Bullet Club. Maybe maybe they'll finally dissolve that that fucking gimmick. I hope that happens in 2020. But like, I do think Naito. I'm sorry, Ibushi has to get like a bigger push. You know, early beginning of of uh, 2020. Yeah, yeah, I think the time is uh, is now for Abushi. Absolutely, um, your MVP. So, who was most important uh, for their respective companies? I'm going to go with Kento Miyahara, John, because like you know, like no one in New Japan is more important than the company. I, I feel that way about you know, like Noah, like as as well as Kiyomiya has done as the GHC champion. I don't think he's that much of a difference maker, in my opinion. But all Japan Pro Wrestling without Kenta Miyahara, I don't know if they exist anymore. I think he keeps the doors open in that place. I think the other thing about him is he is going out of his way to like make everyone like a bigger star. Every time he has a singles match, especially for the Triple Crown, anyone who has a match with him comes out of that match like with their stock raised just a little bit more. And I think that's deliberate on his part. I think he realizes that's his role, not just to like draw fans and be, be a popular wrestler, but to like kind of parlay the popularity and the cachet that he has in the eyes of the fans to do that with Jake Lee, with Naoya Nomura, with people like Zeus and like anyone else that he might face. Like John, he, he, he took 
Yoshitatsu to an amazing fucking match. I can't believe how much I like that match, and I'm not a Yoshitatsu fan, but he had an amazing Triple Crown, you know, title match against Yoshi fucking Tatsu of all people. And like, how can like, it, it, you know, like the business suffers a little recently with with all Japan, but I do think. You know, if they, you know, clear some of the decks of their booking, the way they book some of their, their kind of mid card and freshen things up that, you know, business will go back to being like what they were maybe about a year, year and a half ago. I, I, I think Kento Miyahara had just a phenomenal year. I, th- I think in a, in a year where there isn't a Will Ospreay, I, I think he, he could be the favorite to be wrestler of the year. Like he had I, a tremendous year. It's just the the number of people that are following all Japan is is a smaller number. Yeah, I I do think like he works in any company that has a bit of a higher profile. He he is going to be like blowing people away. Like I can't wait for like some of you know our our friends and acquaintances who are going to be at the, you know the Cork and Hall show with us for all Japan. Like I can't wait for them. I can't wait for you to see. Kendo Miyahara live, John. Like, that's a hell of an experience. Like, people talk about, like, Ray Phoenix. Like, seeing him live versus seeing him on TV are completely different things. Like, it's much more impressive to see him live. You're going to feel the same way about Kento Miyahara. I would be really curious for All Japan to come over during a Mania weekend and, and do a show because I think All Japan would do tremendous here. I think they'd... I think they'd easily draw four to 5,000 people, I think, for an All Japan show on a big weekend uh, with, with this audience now. Oh, maybe, yeah. Like, the, I don't am know, I like, going too I, high? I don't know. Four. Like, I don't know what their penetration is in the West, though. That's. I think there would be such a novelty to seeing all Japan with, with a triple crown title match in the main event. That here's a product that everyone hears about, but no one gets to see on this part of the world. And to come over four to five thousand, maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I think they do really well. I think they should like strike up some kind of agreement with. WXW in Germany and like say okay World Tag League we're gonna send some guys over there uh 16 carat we're gonna send some guys over there because like obviously WWE has doesn't care about all Japan like you can send all Japan guys over there WWE guys mixed in with the WXW guys you know that would be really interesting I think that would raise their profile like or doing something with an established UK promotion I don't want it to be progress because I don't want them getting deeply in bed with the WWE, like WXW would be enough for me. But like, I don't know, they'd have to do something in conjunction with an established promotion in, in the West. And I don't know who that would be. You know, it can't be ROH because they, <laughs> despite everything that's not happened, like, and has happened, like they don't, they're still affiliated with New Japan. And like, there's no one else really. Like maybe, maybe all Japan should get in bed with AW, but I I have my apprehensions about that. But you know, that, guess that, what? John? That would be the company. Like when you're looking at like Impact, Impact kind of will work with anybody, but they've kind of got a bit of a relationship with Noah at the moment. So I don't know how that would work. But yeah, those are your options: AEW, MLW. Like that's kind of your your options. And if you're AEW, I do think it would behoove them to have. A, a Japanese partner to be able to send talent that they can't use on TV to gain more experience and vice versa and get some, some fresh names over as well. That if, if new Japan, if those, if those, if that door is locked, if that is not going to be a relationship, then does AEW start to look elsewhere and all Japan would be right at the top of my list there. Yeah. I, it's either them or, or DDT obviously because of the pre-existing relationship. Right. Yeah. But that would make sense too. As much as I bang on Kenny Omega, John, 
I would love to see a match between Kenny Omega and Kento Miyahara. That would be fucking awesome. What was your match of the year? So I have a tie for oh. match of the year, um, and they both involve Will Ospreay. So first match is against Shiko Takagi, June 5th, 2019, at the Best of the, Best of the Super Junior Finals at Sumo Hall. Just an amazing match that just blew me away when I saw it, like, you know, as it was happening on TV. I didn't go to Sumo Hall that day, but I just the, the, the sheer, like, physicality of this match. And these guys both had a grueling tournament, John. Like, so for them to pull this out and just set, the world on fire with that match was just amazing. I had to pick that. And the other match that I had actually a, a far more, you know, deeper emotional connection was to was Will Ospreay versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, August 10th, 2019, their G1 Climax uh, match, uh, day 17 at Budokan Hall. I This is probably my favorite Ospreay match of the whole tournament. And that's saying something considering like the amount of amazing matches he had in the G1. But I don't know, for some reason, this idea of like, you know, Tanahashi of putting over Osprey and doing everything he could to make this guy a bigger star. It just, just filled me with so much like appreciation for not only for Osprey and the effort he put in the match, but for Tanahashi as well, that this guy, despite being like beaten up and like older and, and maybe written off sometimes, he still got it done. Like in the big picture, this guy fucking delivers this, you know, like we need to put Osprey over. No problem. I will do that. Even though I've like killed myself throughout this, you know, throughout the last three weeks in the G1 beforehand, I will still fucking kill it with Osprey on this night. Promotion of the year. Wow. That's easy. New Japan pro wrestling. <laughs> I, I, like there's no one that touches them, you know, financially or like, you know, profile wise in the country or, you know, to, it, you could argue like they're the second biggest company in the world, like, you know, in terms of finances. I don't know if AEW has reached that level financially, but profile wise, maybe. But like worldwide, I still think New Japan Pro Wrestling is just, you know, just a shade below the WWE, you know. So it's it, definitely in Japan. They're the number one company. You know, it'll be a very interesting company to watch is what 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 are we talking about in regards to uh, stardom a year from now? We'll see, John. I think it'll be, uh, I think you're going to see the full effects. You're already seeing the effects of the, the relationship with Bushiroad, like in, in stardom already, like kind of more behind the scenes. But I I think we're going to get a glimpse of it at the Shinkiba First Ring show that we go to on the third. Right. Uh, your show of the year. My show of the year was, uh, uh, it was an all Japan show, John. It was all Japan pro wrestling, March 19th, 2019. It was the, Dream Power Series. It was day six of that tour at Corican Hall. Uh, this was, you know, a fun show headlined by three amazing matches. The uh, All Japan World Junior Heavyweight title, Koji Iwamoto, the champion, taking on Kotaro Suzuki, uh, followed by a uh, World Tag Team title match, the Violent Giants challenging Strong BJ, Daisuke Sekimoto, and Yuji Okabayashi for the, for the titles. And that was a fucking amazing match. Maybe my uh, tag match of the year, John. And then the uh, Triple Crown title match, Kento Miyahara taking on Naoya Nomura in like one of his best defenses of the year. And that's saying something because all of his defenses have been awesome this year. Uh, I like the variety of having a junior, an awesome junior match, an awesome tag title match, and uh, an awesome Triple Crown title match. Like So for me, that's it. And, and All Japan is just something that I just 
love watching. I can't explain what why, John. It's not like uh, top to bottom, it's a great company. It's not, but like I really like the top end of the company, and I have such like a deep appreciation of like these people, like Ishikawa and Suwama and Nomura, and people like Jake Lee and and uh, Yuma Aoyagi as well. Like I really feel they're on the cusp of something with these guys, and I just absolutely loved this show. So that was it. My runner up, though, I gotta say, I have a runner up. It was. Uh, the best of the Super Juniors, day eight, May 23rd, 2019 at Corican Hall, just because the sheer amount of awesome singles matches that were on this show, John, like I, this is my, my favorite night of the best of the Super Juniors tour. All, all great uh, choices. And there were some tremendous shows this past year. Uh, the final two, these were at my request, the big awards, your best and worst dressed of 2019. Which one should I do first, John? Let's do best. Best dress, Kazuchika Okada, John, for the sheer fact that he went back to the shorts at Wrestle Kingdom. And when he took off that ring skirt, and you thought it was the long boys, the, the big belt bottom long boys that he was wearing, when he took those off and he's revealing shorts, John, I, I don't think I've ever experienced like a pop for someone taking off their pants more than that. It was one of the biggest pops of the night. And and he still does it. It still gets a great reaction. Kazuchika Okada, back in the shorts, best dressed of 2019. Yeah. Uh, Angel Garza in NXT can only wish he can get a pop like that at the Tokyo. Yeah. It was like what? Like, you know, more than, I don't know, what, 30,000 people? Yep. Was that, was yeah. That? It's like Something 38. Like yeah. It was yeah, an yeah. enormous, an enormous moment. Uh my favorite, the worst dressed. Who looked like garbage? Oh my god! So I'm gonna go to Dragon Gate Pro Wrestling for this. There's a man in Dragon Gate Pro Wrestling. He's in the the red faction that that Pac was involved in. His name is Big R Shimizu John. He looks like fucking sleazy fucking garbage. He wears a singlet top. He wears these bell bottom leather pants. What the fuck, John? Who the fuck wears leather like leather pants? Are bad enough? Bell bottoms are bad enough. He's wearing both and a fucking singlet top, and it's all red. Red is not this man's color, John. And he's got a bleach blonde like dye job. He he looks like one of these sleazy fucks that tries to get into the hostess bars in Rapungi or something. You know, we're not gonna uh, experience any of that. Don't worry. I'm, I'm I'm taking you away from those things during your stay in Tokyo. We will not see people like Big Arshimizu in real life, hopefully. But this man looks like shit. Like, and it's a shame because I was really into like his initial hero run, but now I I can't watch this man. I if I see him on my TV screen, I'm like fast forward. I can't look at these bell bottoms. I do have an American candidate though as well, John. Just for you know, just to be fair, the worst dressed person in American wrestling, mainstream high profile American wrestling, is Baron fucking Corbin. Like oh, wow. when he was the fucking waiter, that was bad enough. The Mater D at fucking Olive Garden. Bad enough. Now he's like doing this fucking Conan cosplay thing since he became the king of the ring. That crown, honestly, John, like I don't know anyone who looks who's looked as stupid as Baron Corbin with that fucking crown and that stupid cape. Like I, I actively like. I'm sure he's a nice guy in real life. This character, I actively hate this character when I whenever he he like pollutes the my TV screen. Like that fucking costume is terrible. Oh man, you did not disappoint there. I, I was I was dying during that. That was phenomenal, WH. 
This is the, the WH Park Award. O- only you could could break down in such vivid detail. Big R Shimizu and King Corbin. Uh, just shuddering at thinking about that. Uh, they both look like shit. Anyways, let's continue. Oh, that that those are those are the topics. Oh, we we uh, ended on a high note then, the giant. Oh, that uh, there's no topping that. That's that's like my concern about the Liger retirement being the first match. What are you going to do after that? You you close you close with that. So oh, yeah, we might as well just leave the Tokyo Dome and beat the crowd and just go go to Taco Bell like in the Tokyo Dome city. Well, uh, that will be our our next interaction. Wh, it will be together. So. This closes out the year for Post Pro Res. WH, uh, I thank you as always for joining me each month. It's always great to chat with you. Always uh, passing me along all the, the recommendations of stuff to check out. I always enjoy doing this show with you, and it's going to be a ton of fun when we're over in Japan and get to do a bunch of shows together. Yeah, I'm looking forward to like uh, a 2020 that's maybe as good or as better as as 2019. I, I think we had a, a nice run of shows this year, and then continue that going into the new year, John. We look forward to it. So uh, you can give him a follow, everybody. WH Park 9, that is the number nine. And we will be back uh, coming up the first week of January. WH will be tagging along with Way and I for a bunch of the shows. Uh, we'll be going to, to many. And wherever WH has some free time, he will uh, pop on with us. I don't want to overwork you, WH. You've, you've already done so much. Well, we should, we should talk about the brunch, John, that uh, before the January 4th Tokyo Dome show, we're going to have a uh, post wrestling super J cast, uh, collaboration. Uh, we're going to have a, a gathering, a brunch at, uh, TJF's TGI Fridays, uh, next to Corkin hall, uh, come down. Uh, it starts where it starts at 1130. The doors open at 1130. Try to be there a little bit before then I'd recommend around 11 AM, just wait in line first come first serve for the tables. And yeah, it's, it's pay each person, uh, each table pays for themselves. So please make sure whatever table you're at, like, don't make it difficult for whoever's in charge of like taking care of the bill. And that's it. But yeah, come meet me, come meet John way. A bunch of people are coming from the post wrestling family and as, as well from the super J cast, Joel and Damon. So yeah, that's get great time to talk with us about anything wrestling or how your vacation has been going in Japan so far. And we're, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I am too. That's going to be a ton of fun on the fourth. So uh, yes, we will look forward to meeting many of you when we're over there in Tokyo and yes, all topics welcome that we can discuss, including big R Shimizu. That's right. And, and King fucking Corbin. <laughs> of course that will be it for us. Uh, we are signing off. Thank you to all of you for listening. Uh, throughout the entire year, and we look forward to chatting with you in 2020.